0: The Latter-day Lives Podcast is not owned or operated by The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Any opinions expressed or implied in this recording are solely those of the host and guests and not of any specific organization, unless otherwise stated. Hello, friends, and welcome to another episode of the Latter-day Lives podcast. My name is Sean Rapier. I'm your host. This is episode 39. My guest, Ryan Snar, is such a talented artist and illustrator. I actually met Ryan through the podcast. He was a listener. He'd post comments from time to time on social media and whatnot. And and then one day on Instagram, suddenly he posted a picture, and it was a big surprise to me, but he had drawn a caricature of uh, my face with the Latter-day Lives logo behind it, and I was so touched, and I've been following his art for a while, incredibly talented artist and illustrator, Ryan Snar, You're going to love this conversation. And this week in my Latter-day Life, I'm going to tell you a little bit about strengthening my back at church. And uh, all that's coming up. It's just a great show. So sit back, relax, and enjoy this week's conversation. And today in the Latter-day Live studio, it's uh, actually an honor because my guest today is the very first guest I met because of the show. My guest was a listener to the show who uh, then wrote in and we've connected on social media and has such a fascinating story. Ryan Snar, welcome to the show. Thanks, John. Glad, glad to be here. Glad that uh-huh. you're here. So, Ryan is a remarkably talented guy and we're going to hear all about all of the different things. He is not only, I, I would call you, Ryan, I'd call you an artist. Would you accept that title? Sure. Yeah. You're, you're a true artist, because you have art in many, many forms. Uh, I think we kind of first really connected, because we had anne Maria Otanez on the show, right? who was a member of the Mormon Tabernacle Choir, and you, Ryan, were a member of the Mormon Tabernacle Choir. Yes, I was. I started singing uh,
1: there um, when my son was born, so 10 years ago. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And it was a great ride. Nine years I served in that calling, so... Nine years you were with the choir. Uh huh. That is just amazing. And we're going to talk about all those things, but let's get to know you a little bit first, Ryan. Tell us uh, where you're from. So
1: I grew up in Layton. Um, so I'm a Davis County boy. And, uh,
0: and you got a temple coming up there. We have a temple. Yeah. <laughs> yes. And
1: uh, everyone in Layton right now is just um, speculating where that's going to be. So um, that's super, super exciting. Yeah, uh, We were one of those really excited families that when we heard that and for general conference
0: were kind of cheering and just, it was, why did everybody laugh? was it because I don't know India was so exotic and then suddenly it was Leighton was the last one. I'm not
1: sure, but I noticed that we don't usually, uh, the the only audible thing in conference really is laughter during a talk. You know, someone says something funny or president Monson wiggles his ears or something like that. Right. (laughs) Then you hear (laughs) laughter. And the last couple of conferences, there have been these announcements like a temple in Thailand or a temple in uh, Italy or whatever. And you can hear people in the conference center just gasping. And I remember, you know, being in the choir loft with uh, um, the tabernacle choir and you get to experience that, you know, firsthand. And um, this
0: last one though, we had the the cheering, like just full on cheering. It it did. It turned into cheering. And I, I don't know. Well, first of all, I think it started with the two new apostles Uh And I think just hearing more exotic names, knowing that, you know, it was not uh, a Smith or a Johnson, you know, um, was uh, to have uh, Gong and and Suarez to hear those names. I kind of gasped and I got excited. I wanted to cheer. So I think that was really natural, but it was fun to hear. It must be interesting when you're looking out. So You got to sit throughout conference many times
1: yeah, in fact, um, so when I was going through the choir school, um, that's one of the steps to become a member of the choir, and it's a couple of months. But um, that's when President Hinckley died, and um, oh wow! So that first conference that I was a part of, that was a solemn assembly for uh, President Monson, mm. and um, so I got to you know experience that firsthand. It was it was pretty incredible. What a
0: remarkable experience! Yeah. I'm sure the hymns took on a different meaning that day. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. In fact, just wow. a, a quick
1: story. Um, the So hearing when President Hinckley died, um, you know, they had his body in the conference center uh, for his viewing. And um, I didn't have, uh, you know, I wasn't in the choir at that moment, but the choir school, they invited us up that night after our rehearsal. So it was late, you know, 930 30. Uh, we went up and we were able to sing with the actual members of the choir mm. around the casket of President Hinckley. And it was a marvelous experience. <sighs> we were there with some of his family members that had invited us there. And the the greatest part of that, not only being there with the Hinckley family and um, just, the, just the peaceful nature of what we were doing and the sacred uh, nature of what we were doing, but my sister... My older sister Lindsay was in the choir at that time as well. And that was our first kind of together choir moment that we got to sing, you know, um, and to celebrate his life in that special
0: way. I I cannot imagine how you better honor the prophet as he's leaving than to sing with his body there and with his family there. That is a sacred experience you'll never forget. I mean, that's incredible. Yeah. I mean you
1: you look you look at. I remember that scene, and I just remember thinking, all of his energy was put forth towards really amazing, great things. Yeah, and it just kind of made me think that's that's what I want. Like, what am I doing? How am I how am I wasting some of that energy and you know right. things that aren't so
0: worthwhile? You know, it mm-hmm. kind of makes you think a little bit. So, growing up, I mean. So your sister was in the choir as well. Uh-huh. Uh, you Is your whole family just remarkably, I mean, are you the Von Trapps? Are you um, the, the musical family that Well, all sings? We we all
1: have an appreciation for music, and that kind of came uh, primarily through my, my mother. She uh, liked us to listen to great music, introduced us to a lot of great music, and uh, my older sisters kind of paved the way. Um, my sister, Lindsay, that I, I mentioned, um, she, uh, was a choir teacher and, mm. um, you know, she, uh, I think she spent seven or eight years in the tabernacle choir herself. And, um, uh, that's, uh, we're all interested in music. How many siblings are there? So I've got three sisters. I've got two older sisters and one younger sister. And then
0: one one served in the choir, and and you served in the mm-hmm, choir. That's right. Gosh, two in one family. Right. So, so was, has that been done before? Do you know? Oh yeah, yeah. There's there's members. There are a lot that, of musical uh, families that multiple members have been in the choir.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, huh. whether it's a son and a, a father that's in at the same time or siblings, it's yeah, it's it's common. I would say. And then you toured with the choir. You went to Europe, right? Yeah, so throughout the nine years, I had, uh, gosh, at least five tours that I went on. But the Europe uh, tour was uh, kind of the biggest surprise because we had just gotten back from our uh, tour that we did throughout New York and kind of those uh, eastern states. And um, we're kind of just recovering from getting back from from that tour. And we were all called into uh, a meeting and they said, next year we're going to Europe. And everyone's just flipping out, you know, because – the choir hadn't been, you know, out of the yeah. country outside, you know, uh, we'd been, been to Canada, but they hadn't been outside the country really for, for quite a long time. So it was very exciting to hear that. And, mm. uh, and to be a part of that.
0: How do you juggle like when, when you're not in the choir now, but how did you juggle? You had a full-time job, like your career, right? You have a family and you've got the choir. Was that yeah. difficult to juggle all those things?
1: Yeah, and it, it takes a, a lot of understanding from a spouse or from kids. Um, sure. When I got in, we had two kids. And when I got out, we had grown our family to having four kids. So there were six of us total. So, you know, that's it, it's an interesting transition to, to grow your family and to be so busy, but it's just something that you get so used to. Yeah. And, you know, I would never really considered, um, you know, Participating in that calling or even trying for it until I started working down in Salt Lake City, and then I thought the Tabernacles is right there. You know, if I was able to to do this, yeah. I would just head over there after work. And so I got curious and decided to give it a try. So
0: I've heard the audition process. You know, we had Anne Marie Otanya's on the show. She told us the audition process is just crazy. I mean, they really do yeah. take the creme de la creme of singers.
1: Well, it's it's long. And um, it's very thorough. And what I did uh, once my curiosity peaked, I decided um, I was I was riding the bus into Salt Lake City, and I thought I'm going to take advantage of that time, and I'll study because I'm not a music theory person. I'm not hmm. you know super uh, smart as far as playing an instrument or that kind of thing. Yeah, I, wow. I enjoy singing, and that's probably the end of it. But um, I studied for a couple of months um, while I was going through the audition process, and then like I mentioned, my sister was already in, so she told me everything to expect. She told me where to focus my energy as far as oh, my studies cool. go. So a lot of handholding that helped quite a bit. Yeah. So, and I think I probably just barely made it in taking those <laughs> tests, but, uh, I did. So it was good.
0: That's great. Any standout memories from conferences or anything that, that was specifically special?
1: Um, gosh, from the conferences or I, from I, anything, any experiences with the choir? Well, one of the things that they'll have choir members do is serve on different committees. Mm. And um, probably the last half of my experience, I served with um, uh, Anne-Marie on the birthday committee. Oh, yeah. I can't remember if she talked about much. She did talk Um, about it a little bit. Okay, she did. So um, probably one of the cool experiences as far as that committee goes is we would go and sing happy birthday to the first presidency. And um, you get to know them, you know, away from the pulpit basically yeah. in person. And so it was cool to see that. And one of the things, I'm surprised that she didn't mention this in her uh, interview, but we were with President Monson. And uh, one of the first things that he says when we all kind of gather in his office and we're ready to sing is he points to this picture on the wall. And I believe the the picture is called Christ with the Children. It's by Harry Anderson. And it's mm. really famous. You'd you'd know it. there's a, a young man with a, a red yarmulke in the picture, and oh. then there's children all around.
0: Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I know which okay, one that you know. is, sure. Okay.
1: So yeah. next time you see it, look yeah. at it. And in the foreground, there is a child, and um, it appears that child has a goat on a leash. And so President Monson, he says, I want everyone to look at that picture. So we all turn around, we're looking, he says, the brethren and I were talking um, this last week, and we, we couldn't come to... um to a conclusion on this particular matter. And so our interest is totally peaked. right? <laughs> He's going to yeah, ask us so. something. And he says, is that child in the foreground a boy or a girl? And we're looking at it <laughs> going, that's it. That's what you want to know. And, uh, amazing. you know, we all, we all kind of weigh in and he says, I think it's a girl. Cause if it was a boy, he'd be throwing rocks or doing something terrible with that goat, <laughs> something mean. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, is it was great to just hear his his what personality? What a great you know.
0: experience. Yeah. Oh, that is fantastic. Wow, that's impressive. So you were nine years you were with the choir. Yeah. That's a long, long time. So did you with so did your wife go to your home ward or did she go to music in the spoken word? Yeah, How did that's you good guys question. work that?
1: Um, you know, she actually never went to music and the spoken word the whole time. What the whole time? In fact, um, a couple of weeks ago, we all went for the first time as a family. We had some people, some friends um, that came in town uh, from my mission, actually, uh, and we we just made that a part of our Sunday. We went to music and the spoken word, but because the kids were so young. They have to be eight to be able to go to Music and the Spoken Word.
0: Oh, I don't think I realized so, that.
1: so um, she was the single parent at our ward. Yeah. And um, many, in fact, right after I got the calling, our ward combined with uh, a neighboring uh, section of another ward. They just did some realignments in our stake. And a lot of people before they got to know her just... <laughs> figured she was the single lady with a bunch of kids, yeah. um, you know, sitting in the in the pews. So, And, and occasionally um, the
0: deadbeat dad would show up. That was me, yeah. <laughs> Not yeah. realizing that. So do you sing in your choir now? Are you in your ward choir? I do. And our choir
1: director is so great. Um, she'll always say, I apologize. That we don't sound like the Mormon Tabernacle Choir. And I always say, that is so okay. We don't need to. <laughs> I don't expect you to. And in fact... I tell her I can sit back in my chair, you know, I don't feel bad if I'm talking to my neighbor, yeah. you know, like the, when you go to a rehearsal, um, for the choir, you really do see how efficient they are. And that efficiency is because everyone has just got to be on task yeah. and the directors of, I mean, they expect a lot. And of course you don't get that in a word choir and it's more sure, lax of course. and, uh, ver- so the the product is obviously.
0: But when she but. says we don't sound like the Mormon Tabernacle Choir, do you ever go? Ah, um, uh, I do. Thank you. Well, I don't
1: I do. actually. Um, <laughs> there's only one of me, and there's like 300 of them. Oh, so. that's
0: awesome. So did you did you ever watch yourself back? Like watch some of your choir performances? Because what I always wonder is how aware are you of the face that you're making while you sing? Because they do close-ups of people singing. And I always yeah. wonder if people are thinking about the face that they're making and how into it they are or whatever. Like, are you aware of that or do you just let it all go and just sing?
1: So at first, that is a huge worry. And for the first couple of broadcasts that you do, um, you're constantly thinking about that. And, and, you know, you have to be prepared always to be on camera um, and uh, that type of thing. But after, you know, after several months, it just becomes a thing that you do right. and you're not really... Aware of you know the cameras anymore. You're just focused on You're the director. It. Yeah, you got your um, job to
0: do. Sure. Yeah,
1: I didn't really rewatch to see myself. I mean, at first it's kind of a fun thing to do that, and it's a good thing to do because yeah. you know to improve. Um, you know, you see yourself, and you can kind of make some mental notes. But um, a funny story about that, and, and my whole experience in the whole nine years, this was pretty unique. Um, Mac Wilberg would always tell us, um, that he knew our names, which this,
0: this is the choir director, the choir director. Yeah. yeah, Um,
1: the head choir director, he would say, I I know your names. And if I see you talking, I, I might just use your name to, you know, ask you to stop talking, you know, and he never did. And so (laughs) I think that was just like in our minds, like, oh, he doesn't really know our name. Um, but on one particular Sunday, we were singing this song and it had to be sung by memory and I knew it, we had sung it before um, but for some reason, when we got to the second verse, there was a, a line or something that just wasn't clicking. <laughs> and it wasn't just for me. This was the entire men's section, maybe even the entire woman's section, like just didn't have this line. And so <laughs> yeah. all I heard is this muddled this is terrifying, sound. terrifying,
0: by the way. This is like my nightmare.
1: Well, this was during a, a rehearsal. Oh, okay. It was a filmed rehearsal as we were preparing oh, yeah. for the, uh, the broadcast. And um, so after we're done, I had... I didn't know what to sing at that point because I had just forgotten the words. But I knew we had a break, and I thought, okay, I'm going to study up, and I'll, I'll be ready for the broadcast. But right after that re- rehearsal, uh, Mac Wilberg stops and he he says, "Brother Snar," and then he he named the person right next to me as well. He says, "You guys have got to know the words," and I I oh. I couldn't believe it. Like, first of all, <laughs> yes, he knows my name. Like, this is true. And, but second of all, he's calling us out because he <laughs> could tell that we didn't know the words.
0: And How amazing is it? How many members are there in the choir singing? Well, there's, on average, you know, there's going to be close to 300, close I Close to 300. Podcast, and he right? saw that you didn't know the words on a small section. Well, he saw that That's I didn't know the amazing. words because
1: the camera, and he can see on a monitor that he's got on his podium. Oh, yeah. He can see where the camera is. And he must have just looked down at the right time. And there I was. And he could tell that I didn't know. And so I was mortified. That and is great. Of course, I knew exactly how to fix the problem. I had sure. planned to do that, and um, I probably shouldn't have done done this. But so, of course, I know the section that I needed to learn. Right. So during the actual broadcast, I didn't look right at the camera. <laughs> But I could tell when I was on the camera, and I just gave this really subtle wink <laughs> that was just for him, saying thank you for calling me out. And uh, that's I one of my this. favorite stories from the, my choir experience was gave, the wink.
0: Gave him the little wink. Oh, yeah. that's so great! Oh, fantastic! Well, it's it's an incredible talent. I am. I've said it before on this show. I'm, I am tone deaf. I'm. I've been diagnosed as being tone deaf. Yeah. I cannot sing. And so I'm just in awe of people who do. But you are such an all-around artist, and I'll, I'll tell our audience, this is shifting gears. Um, I, one of the most amazing things, i you know, when we started the podcast, the listenership was very small, and it's growing, and it's gotten quite large now, which is wonderful. But uh, out of the blue, I don't remember if you put it on Facebook or you sent it to me or something all of a sudden there was a drawing of my face and it was such a great capture of me. You know, usually I think I'd be pretty critical, Uh you know, but you (laughs) nailed it. I looked at it and I showed it to my wife and my kids and I was so flattered that you had drawn a picture of me. And, and I, I, just, I just thought that was the coolest thing. So talk a little bit about snarly illustration. So snarly Illustration is um, kind
1: of a record that I keep of my creative pursuits. It's uh, a blog um, that's really just, it's very visual, um, a lot of pictures, a lot of sketches. And, um, you know, I've I've loved drawing and just expressing, you know, creative thoughts all my life. And, you know, I got to a point where I just kind of thought, I, I need to be doing this more. If I want to be better, if I want to sharpen this saw, I need to be doing it more And um, for me as an artist, having a subject is always a a tricky thing. You know, you sit down and you want to draw, but you're looking at this blank piece of paper thinking, well, what what is it I'm going to draw? I don't know. Right. And so one of the things that helps uh, me is I decided, well, I'm just going to draw what's going on in my life. And mm. so for me, that means um, I, I like to review a lot of things, whether it's a book or whether it's a podcast, maybe it's a restaurant, anything that I'm doing, um, watching a movie, um, I'll write a review. And with that comes an illustration. And most of the time, it's an illustration of an author of a book, or in your case, yeah, the host of a podcast. And so I heard your podcast and I just thought, hey, this would be a great subject. I really enjoy the podcast and it would be something that I'd recommend to anyone who follows mm. my blog. And so I put it together and, and along with those posts, not just the blog posts, but like on an Instagram post, um, one of the great things about that is you can tag people and it's kind of your form of reaching out and saying, hi, I see you, like you're doing yeah. a great job, you know. And so that's probably how it
0: happened. That's probably where like, I saw it was on Instagram. Yeah, I was so thrilled. Like for me, it was touching because you know to take and, and if if I can't sing, my art skills are far worse. Like I would rather <laughs> sing than try to draw something. I mean, I draw houses and they get condemned. They're t I like I can't draw anything. Stick figures, I cannot draw. So I was so touched by it that you would take the the time for it. Like so, my response was, you know, I, I ended up sharing it everywhere, and because yeah. I was just so excited about it, I thought it was so neat. Um, when you draw for people, what is what is the usual response you get from people?
1: Um, you know, the, it's the the people that uh, will reach out like you did and just say thanks so much. You know, and sometimes mm. it's just a message uh, really quick or a thumbs up on on uh, social media. Um, but I think for me for the longest time, my sketchbook was just mine. And the things that I would draw in it, it was like a journal. And it was something that I almost was embarrassed to show because if I draw a picture of someone and they see it and they don't like it because, you know, I didn't capture their likeness the way they wanted, then maybe it would make them sad and that would make me sad. I kind of just flipped that around and just thought, no, like let's, let's be more transparent and let's share this more and see what Mm. happens. And so um, that's the great thing is that people will make a comment and say, Oh, thanks so much. And you know, one, one opportunity, there was a gal that um, she liked one of my posts on Instagram and I didn't know who it was. It was kind of one of the early days of my, my Instagram posts. And, and I thought, God, I'd want to do something nice. And what if I drew a picture of her so I looked and it sounds kind of like stalkerish, but it's not, I promise. <laughs> I, I looked at her profile and I thought, no, maybe I'll capture no, this great. likeness. And, and uh, I just I made another post and I said, hey, this one is all about gratitude. And there's uh, people that say the nicest things. And so and so is one of them. I don't remember this person's name. Um, and I just said, thank you very much. And, uh, wow. you know, I got one of those little applause emojis back from her or something like that with a, a nice
0: note. So that was How a cool sweet. experience. I think Ryan, I think you're a great example of what the scriptures talk about, about uh, you know, just giving all you have, or I mean, even I've talked about it, I think, on this podcast before. I can't listen to the song Little Drummer Boy because it makes me cry when he says I played my best for him. It's yeah. always touching to me because you always hear the perfect percussion in the song itself. Yeah. But the little drummer boy probably didn't play that perfect percussion. He just says, I played my drum for him. I played my best for him. Yeah, And I think that because of pride, whether it's that we bake and, oh, these cookies aren't good enough to give to a neighbor, or we do woodworking, but, oh, it's too amateur. And so I don't, you know, we, we kind of hold on to those things. Yeah, And you've stepped outside yourself and said, it may or may not be perfect, which by the way it is, <laughs> I'm always blown away by what you do but that you've stepped outside, I think it's a great challenge to other people. You know, I I don't think it's perfect
1: in a sense of perfection, but it is perfect because it's me. Yeah. And and not that that's the most valuable thing ever, but when someone's willing to share something from their heart or their soul, that's... That's really great. I, I love, I mean, I, I may have mentioned this to you before, maybe in a, a Facebook comment or something, but the Little Drummer Boy was one of the last songs I got to sing oh. in the choir. And I had that exact, it was kind of like the perfect bookend to my experience, you know, to have that experience singing that song and having that
0: same realization. Yeah. The, and that's really what the gospel is, right? I mean, yeah. it's, it's give your all, bring your best. And that's what the atonement is, is that it makes up for it, and so this is sort of these gifts are, are sort of a microcosm of bring all you can, give all you can. I mean, that's what consecration is: is to give all that we can, right, and to share our gifts. And I just think it's it's beautiful. I want to make sure we get the plug in a couple of times. Um, if people want to see your work, one thing they can do they can follow you on Instagram, right. And what's the Instagram name?
1: The handle is Snarly Illustration.
0: And Snarly has two R's. Your last name Uh is Snar, S-N-A-R-R. Right. So it's Snarly Illustration, S-N-A-R-R-L-Y, Illustration. Illustration. right. And then also, though, it's fun to see your big montage, and I just have been clicking through. Uh, If you go to Uh snarlyillustration.blogspot.com, that's where your blog is. And you've got book reviews on here. You have some of our former guests uh, Uh are actually on here. Um, like uh, our friend Ben, who had the By the Grace of God story. Right, and I met him
1: through your podcast. Oh, did you? Yeah, I didn't know that story. And then all of a sudden, you know, I'm captivated by his videos. And I reached out and I just said, I don't have any money, but if you ever need any kind of illustration or graphic design, let me know. And uh, sure enough, I mean, he he reached out and said, hey, what do you think about, you know, contributing? And he's got a second book coming out that uh, he used an illustration on. So I'm thrilled to... And he used your illustration. Yeah.
0: And see, Ben is someone who I have known for many years from my corporate life. Oh, really? And yet now he's, you know, CBS just did a huge thing Uh on him. And gosh, I love this. So where does this attitude come from, Ryan? Because you very much have this attitude of wanting to give to the world and wanting to contribute and wanting to move things forward. Was this something that was instilled in you as a child? Or where do you think this comes from?
1: Oh, God, that's a good question. Um, as I think about kind of the, the desire that I have to share some of these ideas or to share creativity, a lot of times it comes down to just lightening the burden that we are carrying throughout the day. And maybe that's the monotonous burden of, you know, going to the same job every day. You know, what can I do while I'm at work that would just add some levity or some joy, um, a lot of that's attitude, but sometimes it's, um, you know, a creative project Mm. that I can do. And I find that you can apply that same idea everywhere, you Mm. know? So, um, for example, I was a coach. One of the first things that I was able to do, um, when I, um, was released from the choir, um, I started coaching my son's soccer team And, and I'm not a soccer coach. I, I was an all-star like in the second grade and I probably still play like a second grade (laughs) all-star. You Um, and me both. Yeah. So anyway, he, he was six or seven at the time. And uh, I knew the only thing that I could do as far as, you know, guide these kids was to help point their kicks towards the goal and to help them have fun. (laughs) And um, one of the things that I felt like I needed to incorporate was kind of giving them a really great, coach persona so I dressed up like a coach every week (laughs) I had a whistle and I wore my cleats and I was very I wore kind of the same outfit every every week so that they could have that consistency yeah and then the very last game I wanted it to be my turn to bring the treats that time and I just said hey meet at the Bowery And, uh, we had pizzas brought in and what I had done for all these kids is I drew caricatures of all the kids that were surrounded by this, um, Chinese dragon. We were the silver dragons Mm. and I gave them all, uh, these Chinese nicknames and, you know, all that kind of stuff that kind of, um, it just reminded them and myself of their personalities on the team and kind of created a, a poster that they could take home. And, That was, I mean, it's hanging on my kid's wall. It's hanging on my wall. I have a different, um, you know, room where I hang artwork. And uh, that was a really, really special experience to be able to do that. And had nothing to do with soccer.
0: Yeah. I just, I love that. And it makes me think, you know, what could I contribute? I mean, honestly... You know, I, I look at my myself, it's really making smart alec comments from the sideline. That's yeah. the dad that I am. I, I can do that. It's just sitting <laughs> making the snarky comments, unfortunately. And yet you're you're making things so much better. One one thing I would say that I would recommend for all of our listeners, if they want to really enjoy something, would be to go back, whether it's in your Instagram post or on your blog, and look at general conference weekend. Oh, so you yeah. sit and you draw the speakers.
1: Yeah, so um that has become a a tradition every 6 months and now I tell my wife like hey, I need some time to myself at the table, like I'm going to be really busy during conference and uh she understands. Yeah. But that was something that grew out of my participation in the choir and um y- being up there in those comfortable choir seats for that long can be really difficult, and I'm the type of person that if I'm sitting too long in a comfortable seat, I'm going to be falling asleep. Which oh yeah, is not you know ideal for it's that not situation. For the choir. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> so there's just enough light up there uh, when we're not singing to be able to take some notes, which many choir members will do. And, uh, I had decided maybe after my first experience that I really needed to be engaged the whole time. And I thought, well, what am I going to do to do this? And I just thought, I'll just draw the speakers. And when we're sitting up there in the loft, there are three monitors that, um, you can see. So each section can kind of see at least one of the monitors yeah. really well. And, um, depending on where I'm sitting can kind of affect, you know, how well I can see it. Um, but I could see it well enough that I could capture the likeness of, uh, or, or hopefully capture the likeness of the person speaking. And my goal was just. Every speaker to just capture that likeness within the 10 or 12 minutes that they're going to be speaking and then move on to the next one. So, literally, I would take these red pencils that we had to mark our music, or at least that's what they were for. Yeah. I would sharpen like three or four of them so that I'd be ready because like, I wouldn't <laughs> have a great. sharpener up there, right? How neat. And I would just, every single one of those pencils was spent after conference weekend because I would just be drawn up there the whole, the whole time I wasn't singing. So,
0: So I would, I would challenge our listeners to, or invite our listeners to go take a look at those. I'll tell you one thing that you have a, a serious talent for is you capture essence of people, which is more important than capturing the people you have a way of, you know, certain general authorities. And maybe I see in it just what I think already, maybe it's just manifest to me, but you capture kindness in people's eyes or joy. But then there are also there have been speakers who have rebuked and have warned. And I see that. Like you'll capture it, not just their personality, but you almost capture their talk. It's really interesting yeah. that you tend to capture the emotion of their talk. It's almost like unlocking the talk. And I, I just love it. I looked through every single one of them from conference and just so thoroughly enjoyed it. And again, I'm just blown away by it. It's awesome. I appreciate that. I'm sure it creates a kinship between you and them and how it you does. feel about them.
1: Well, and, and the message that they give, I can remember
0: that very differently I than bet. if I
1: wasn't you know, doing something to stay engaged. So,
0: Well, one thing, we've got a, a few minutes and, and I want to make sure that we get to this. We have got to talk about Promised Land because this is one of the coolest, funniest like most imaginative things I've ever seen. Tell us what promised land is. So promised land grew from
1: a joke that I, um, would tell my kids. Um, I live in Syracuse and, um, there is some undeveloped land that was close to our house. That's
0: Syracuse, Utah, Syracuse, Syracuse Utah.
1: New York. Right. Right. Yeah. yeah. Um, there's some undeveloped land there that uh, was being developed and we would drive by and when they would start to start, you know, digging up the, the ground and things, um, I must have just had a wild hair and I told the kids that's where they're building the new theme park. <laughs> and you know, my kids are young and impressionable and uh, you know, even the smallest one though um, they have, they have sensitive humor and, and know many times I'm, I'm kidding, which in this case I was, but um, because I had mentioned something, you know, my mind starts going and, and I thought, well, God, how would they do a theme park? And for whatever reason I thought, what if the church just built a theme park and just had it run by missionaries? I mean, they're out doing work anyway. Why don't they just talk to people that are, they don't have any place to go except stand in line for a ride. That'd be a great place to share the gospel. And anyway, a lot of those ideas just are quite silly, but um, it just conjured up this picture in my mind. And I tell you, I was thinking about doing this, not even seriously, but I'd I'd had just these funny ideas come to my mind. And I was listening to uh, a podcast that was discussing how theme parks um, are designed. And as I was thinking about that, I thought, gosh, you know, I could put that same thinking into this promised land idea and really flesh it out. Like, I want to create a a project for myself to do that. and It's a Mormon did, theme park. I mean, it, it's the it's church's a theme, park. theme
0: park. Right. And I can see now you created, which most theme parks are Hub and Spoke. Right. You've created Hub and Spoke with the temple as the hub. The temple is like the Cinderella's the, the, castle. It's the in Cinderella's the castle. Disneyland, yeah. And, and so this is available. This is on your blog. People can go right. find it on your blog. And I mean, you have got to go check this out. And you can even... I, I would assume you can download it and print it off, maybe. There's a um, PDF version of it. There, it. there is a PDF. I
1: could email it to anyone that wants one. Um, I, I created some brochures um, for kind of a curious purpose. So, so I'm holding to now, the or? actual
0: brochure, and it feels like what you would get at Disneyland. And some of the, some of the highlights of Promised Land, so there's a Main Street, just like Disneyland yeah. would have. And I love that you've got, instead of just Main Street running through, you've got Moses Parting, Main. That Moses is actually parting the way for you to walk through. Uh, My favorite, I think, of all of this is that rather than just having lockers, it's called Zoram Storam. (laughs) (laughs) It's the name of the lockers. I love that. And you know what's great is that... like. There are some sacred things on here, but then there's also the Noah's Ark Petting Zoo, Jonah's Whale of a Ride, David's Mighty Sling. These are the names of the rides. And so there's Main Street, Latter-day Land, Old Testament, New Testament, Book of Mormon Land, and Pioneer Park, right. where you can get on the Martin Willie Handcart Scrambler, uh, Moroni's Hill Camora Coaster. I mean, this is phenomenal. How long did it take you to put together the whole concept of Promised Land?
1: Uh, it, it took months really. Um, I started with a rough sketch of ideas in my, um, in my sketchbook and, um, it, it's one of these, I take my sketchbook every week to church and, yeah. um, you know, as I'm sitting there listening to talks, I'll open it up. And if I have just a, an extra little thought or, um, you know, just wanted to sketch something and then I'll, I'll kind of lay it out. And then, you know, again, with that, uh, podcast that I've listened to applied some of that learning into this idea so that i could make you know the hub and i could make each of the lands really special in some way but i mean
0: your detail on this i this whole brochure i would believe that this was a real thing i mean it's so detailed you have the restaurants in here restaurants like hello jello the greater tater dnc's fizzy sugar water nice cream but then what I love is you've got a list of rules, but instead of calling them rules, you just say ways to enjoy the promised land, keeping arms and legs uh, inside the ride, which you know everybody would expect. But then I like better than when you arrived, <laughs> leave things better than when you found them, oh. which only a Mormon theme park would have that because right. it's so scouting. It's just fantastic. And then no potty language and easy on the handshakes. Volunteers may shake your hand. High fives are okay, but take it easy on the fist bumps, folks. You, you know, our listeners need to go check this out. And by the way, it's very reasonable. Uh, you can go for a half day for four dollars. <laughs> the pricing's on there as yeah, well. Yeah, you've got you've got the pricing. You've got concerts in the park. Uh, Fhe, it is so brilliant. I mean, it's just it's one of the coolest things. And I, I almost, if I had more time, I would do a Kickstarter so that we could actually launch Promised Land. But you're kind of taking this even in a further direction.
1: Well, maybe, I mean, it has gone further than just uh, a picture at this point. And and the reason is is um I was uh asked to be part of a committee in our ward for a progressive dinner that we do every year. And the the end of the progressive dinner is an activity where every participant can come and we can get together and socialize and most of the time it's been like minute to win it challenges or just in a circle and introduce sure. yourself. Um, the feedback from ward members are just kind of, you know, as people talk, they they always say, oh, I'm not going to go to that part because it's always, you know, it's not as fun as I'd like or yeah. whatever. So as a committee member, I thought, you know, what are we going to do that's different, that could be fun and that people will enjoy and that might be unexpected. And a week prior, I had been to an escape room. I had just been exposed to my very first experience and I thought, maybe we do that. Maybe, we And for have our an listeners who room. haven't
0: been to an escape room, you're locked into a room, there are uh-huh. clues, you got to figure out how to get out of the room in a certain amount of time, Yeah, and they're, they're themed differently. There have been right. zombie-themed ones or jail-themed ones or whatever.
1: Yeah, so I took that concept and I thought, well, what if when people come back to the, the church, we just separate them into rooms, and we have clues, and they can just get out of the room, and then we'll go... As you, as you exit your room, then you'll go into the cultural hall and have yeah. food, dessert or whatever. And as um, I presented that, the committee was like, well, sure, if you want to put that together, figure it out. go that's ahead. That's a lot of logistics. Know, a lot of work. And as I left, I thought, gosh, we could have a room that's themed um, Old Testament, and we could have a room that's themed the Book of Mormon. And as I was thinking about those themes, I thought, wait a minute this already exists. Like it's I just created land. it. It's the promised land. It's so, the
0: promised land escape room.
1: Exactly. So <laughs> what I did is I, I took that idea back and I, I shared some of the ideas for clues and I shared the map with everyone. And they're just like, this, this is great. How are we going to make it so that it's something they have to escape? What kind of locks are we going to use? All that kind of stuff. And one of the other members of the committee said, we don't need to use physical locks. Like. I can code and I'll just build it. I'll build it so that it's an online thing and people will use their phones to do the codes to get out of the room. And he was brilliant. Like I owe all of the success of that activity to his genius because he took the the graphics and the design and he put that all so that it was literally in the palm of everyone's hand that was
0: participating. And uh, it's like the greatest board activity ever. I mean, how fun! It was a lot of fun. So now, hopefully, we can figure out a way to bring this to the masses, so that people can do the right. promised land escape room.
1: Right. We we did it for the ward. The right after the young men's president, um, he came and he's like, "Hey, let's let's do this for the youth." Um, we found out that it worked really well for the youth. Awesome. And uh, I don't know if it evolves to something more, then I'll, we'll celebrate that. It'll I be hope great. it does because
0: it's neat. It's just cool. Yeah. So it's been fun. fun. Ryan, you are like just this incredibly talented, good guy out there using your talents to make the world a better place. It makes me think, what talents do I have that I could hopefully make the world a better place? And I'm sure that that's what our listeners are also thinking right now, because you just run around using your talents for good. And to me, that is the essence of the gospel. That's what we're here to do. We're here to lighten each other's loads, mourn with those who mourn, and, and... lift people up. And I think that's what you do with your talent. And I just, its why I wanted to have you on the show. And I'm so glad we had this chance to talk.
1: Yeah. Thank you.
0: We're going to wrap things up with the same question uh, that we ask all of our guests at the end of every show. And you've heard a few episodes and know that there's no right or wrong answer. Uh, but uh, Ryan Snar, what does being a member of the church mean to you?
1: Uh, being a member of the church to me... Um Really, it's it's a way to discover truth. You know, I, I, I remember an experience I had talking to um, uh, a co-worker who was agnostic. And as we talked, you know, you realize the same things that are important to them and the same truths that are important to them are the ones that are important to you. Mm. And and we talked about the way that, that he was able to arrive at, um, you know, a knowledge of what he felt was true. And, and, and I did the same. And I, I realized that. You know the Gospel is this brilliant lens that we as as you look at the world through this lens things can become more clear things can become more vibrant things can um be communicated specifically to you in mm. the right moment you know we we hear stories that members tell that just seem so ridiculously like coincidental mm. but Being a member of the church to me, I I don't believe that, you know, I believe that there is a loving heavenly father that has placed us in specific places. We have specific tools or talents that we use. And when we apply those and use those, then amazing things can happen. And I, and I think that when I realized that I, I wasn't doing that as much as I could, um, with some of the talents that I had that, um, that I needed to change, and um, so it's been fun to, to do something like the promised land or to do something like, you know, just sketches of general authorities. Like these things in and of themselves are not, they're not great works of art, mm-hmm. but they are sincere and they are very personal. And that has the power to touch yeah. others and, and it might not touch everybody the same way it doesn't need to and that's the great thing about it is that you can touch masses of people yeah. with your specific talents um, and you can touch them in different ways depending on how they um, see your work yeah so well
0: I know it's touched me and it's touched a lot of people's lives and uh, I just I, I just think it's so impressive what you do and and I think it'll be inspiring. To a lot of people, you're just a fantastic guy and and very inspiring. And thank you for coming on and sharing your Latter-day Life with all of us. Oh, thank you for having me. My thanks to Ryan, what a talented guy. I hope you can feel just the goodness and how seriously he takes it, making the world a better place uh, through his art and through his talents. I was very inspired, and it actually left me this week thinking, what am I doing with my talents? What am I doing? What am I contributing with uh, the talents that God has given me to make the world a better place? So thank you, Ryan. Uh, This week in my Latter-day Life, I'm actually recording this on Sunday, the night before this will air. And today at church, I had to get there a little bit early. I'm the secretary in our Young Men's Presidency, and I needed to get a duty to God uh, certificate signed, both by our Young Men's President and by a parent. And I don't normally wait in the foyer before church. If we get there early, I take a seat uh, in sacrament meeting. But today I was meeting these people in the foyer, and while I was standing there, I started watching the members of our ward come in. Now, we have a retirement community Uh, as part of our ward boundaries. We also have, you know, some some nice homes in the area. It's a pretty diverse ward, but we do have a lot of older people in our ward. And as I stood there, I tried to open the door for some people. um, And it was a pleasure to be able to just greet people the way that the bishop does. You know, the bishop was standing there the whole time. We have such a great bishop. But as I was catching the door for people and watching them walk in, I was surprised by how many people had walkers, and how many people had canes, and how many people needed assistance walking in. And it struck me, and I noticed at one point we had three people walking through the foyer all with walkers. And as I stood there, I thought to myself, I remember when I was younger, because I also saw some families coming in with with babies. I'm in a little bit of a sweet spot as far as church goes now. We've got two teenagers at home, and they love going to church. There's no argument uh, with them going and sitting with us. And they pretty much get themselves ready, and so we're able to just go and enjoy sacrament meeting. I do remember a time when we had babies, and sacrament meeting one hour felt like it was about 11 hours long. (laughs) Oh, sacrament meeting with little kids was so hard and with toddlers and chasing them and running up and down, and sometimes I'd find reasons not to make it to church. Oh, I've got a little bit of a cold, or one of the kids isn't feeling perfect, so let's stay home, because the effort was tremendous. Right now, again, it's pretty easy. It's me and my wife. We go, and uh, we really enjoy church. But I was realizing that that day will come, and I I was so impressed by these faithful saints, and I was reminded of uh, a quote. I think I'll end up slaughtering it, but basically, uh, don't pray that your load might be lighter. Pray that your back may be stronger. And as I was watching these beautiful, just incredible, wise, strong, older members of our ward coming in, and I just thought about how much I love each and every one of them. And I hope that when I get to the point, and I hope it's not soon, I'm 40 almost 46 years old, uh, but I hope that when the time comes that I'm using a walker or a cane to get around, and when life is not as easy for me as it is right now. I hope that I will still have the strength, and I pray that my back will be strong enough, uh, even though it's difficult to walk, that I will get up and I will make it to church each week. And we all have our trials, we all have our challenges, and sometimes let's not forget that the Lord lightens our load, and other times He strengthens our back. And that is what is happening this week in my Latter-day Life Thank you so much for joining us this week and every week. And be sure to tune in next Monday when we have another excellent show. Uh, In fact, we've got a really fun one for you next week. But until then, please remember, as always, there is a great, big, beautiful world out there. So go be in it. Just not of it. Thanks for listening.